verse number one, Psalm the eighth chapter. O Lord, how excellent is thy name. We don't need to read much further. How excellent is thy name in all the earth, who has set thy glory above the heavens. Out of the mouths of, mouth of babes and sucklings hast thou ordained strength because of thine enemies, and thou mightest steal the enemy and the avenger. When I consider thy heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon, and the stars, which thou hast ordained, what is man that thou art mindful of him, and the son of man that thou visitest him. By the help of the Lord this morning, I, I want to speak. The, the Lord began to deal with me about this text probably two weeks ago, and I wrestled with it for a few days, and the Lord began to open up my mind to what I feel expressly He wants to speak to this congregation this morning. Maybe not to every person, but there will be some here this morning that the, the Holy Ghost, through His Word, is going to quicken into your spirit. And God is going to send an encouragement to you this morning. Lord, right now, I pray over this congregation. I pray, Lord, over every person in the room now, Lord, but specifically those, Lord, that have been wondering if you have forgotten where they are. I pray this morning, Lord, that you're going to speak into their spirit this morning, and when they leave, they will be encouraged by the word of the Lord. And I thank you and honor you in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated today. This message is going to be a little different than the style that I normally preach because I have used so much scripture in this message this morning that there will be a segment, a very large segment of the message today when I am going to begin to, to go into scripture and I am going to let the Scripture speak for itself today. There's power in the Word of God. And I'm going to be speaking, and some I will paraphrase, some I will use various translations only for the purpose of application. But I will speak to you this morning, and the majority of this segment is just directly from the Word of God. I'm not going to add application to it. I won't spend a lot of time with it. I'm just going to go through the Word of God because I know for a fact that the Word of God has the potential to be able to encourage more than my words could ever encourage. 
And I'm going to pray this morning that the Lord is going to minister and speak to every life today. It was about the year of 2003. I believe it was around the middle of May. Uh, it's one of the most spectacular scenes that, that I recall ever witnessing. Perhaps it was because I was on vacation at one of my favorite vacation spots at that time. I considered it the most relaxing place on the, plan on the planet. I sat along the secluded shore of Lake Washita in the state of Arkansas on a peninsula point watching a full moon make its way across the darkened sky. And I watched with anticipation every moment as the anticipated lunar eclipse was about to happen. It was near midnight or shortly thereafter, as I recall, as the earth began to cast its shadow upon the moon, blocking the ray of the sun from reflecting off of the surface of the moon. The most incredible silver ring encompassed the edge of the moon, and just as it appeared, it vanished, and darkness settled over the entire face of the moon, and the only light that I could see from the point of view that I was in was only the flicker of a few stars. It was one of the darkest moments that I had ever experienced in my lifetime. Literally, one would struggle to hold their hands in front of their face and be able to see their hand. As quickly as the eclipse started, it ended just as it appeared, it vanished away, and once again the sun's rays began to reflect off of the face of the mirroring face of the moon, and again light began to shine into the darkness. And eventually the full glow of the moon was shining to make one of the most spectacular full moons that I had ever witnessed. I, I sat there in solitude on that shoreline in that late night, early morning, and I pondered as I sat there, and uh, it was calm, and it was a peaceful morning on the pristine shores of this beautiful lake, uninhabited wilderness. And I recall sitting there in my chair and I was camping there for a few days and the entire time I was there perhaps I only saw two or three people on the lake in the area that we were in for the entire time we were there. And as I sit there that night hearing nothing but the crickets and the bullfrogs, looking across the water as it lapped into the shoreline near my feet. I looked into the heavens and watched this spectacular thing happen, and my text came to my mind. 
And I begin to pray the words of David at that point. What is man that thou art mindful of him? I don't know about you this morning, but I will speak for a moment about me. There are times in my life when I question whether God knows where I am. There are times that I am near certain that people misunderstand me or people don't know where I am or people don't know what I'm going through. But I will tell you that even in darker hours I have wondered, God, do you even know where I am? God, do you even know what I'm facing? God, do you know the feelings of my heart today? Have you forgotten me? Have you walked away from me? But David said, when I considered the heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained, what is man that thou art mindful of him? This caused me to start thinking about how much God thinks about me. Have you ever wondered how often God thinks about you? How much are you on God's mind? I'm not asking today how much is God on your mind, but I'm asking you this morning, how much are you on God's mind? You ever ask yourself, I wonder how often God thinks of me. I wonder how often God thinks of my situation. How, how often does God consider where I am and what I'm facing and what I'm going through? When I considered the heavens that morning, the work of His fingers the moon and the stars it's just the work of his fingers the writer says just the work of his fingers he hasn't even had to do uh, anything other than just just enact a little work of his fingers and creates the moon and the stars but what is man what am I who am I that he would even consider me who am I that he would take time to, to think about me, much less what others think about me? It's often the fact that we go through times in relationships with other people, be it, be it family relationships, friend relationships, acquaintances, work situations, whatever it may be. When we go through these dark times, troubled times, times of turmoil or chaos and questioning. You question where you are with your friends. Where do you stand? Where do you stand with family? How, how, how is my relationship going? And it's often during those times of, of, of uh, sickness comes and you feel like nobody calls or they don't call quick enough and nobody sends a card or, or maybe you go through financial crisis and as you're going through a financial crisis you, you're seeing other people blessed but, but you're not blessed. And you're wondering, I wonder why these people that are blessed are not responding to my situation. 
Why are they not blessing me? I've blessed them before. Why are they not blessing me? And it's in these moments that we begin to question others. And before long, if we're not careful, we will begin to question God. And we will begin to say, God, do you even know where I am? Much less, God, do you know my name? Do you even know where I am? Do you even know where Frankfort, Indiana is? Do you even know where, do you know where I am? Do you know my address? Do you know where I live? Do you know what I face? Do you know what I deal with? Yet David said, when I consider all the works of the heavens, I I look and I'm, I'm reminded I can't look at the things that God has done, even in creation, but just the moon and the stars. What is man? Who am I that you would be mindful of me? What is man that thou takest knowledge of him, or the son of man that thou makest account for him? Man is like to vanity. His days are are like a shadow that passes away. Who is like unto our God? who dwelleth on high and who humbleth himself to behold the things that are in heaven and in earth. What is man that thou art mindful of him? You've got so much other things to busy yourself with. Why would God even consider me? He that raiseth up the poor out of the dust and lifteth up the needy out of the dunghill that he may set with princes, even the princes of his people and make the barren women keep house and to be a joyful mother of children. Praise ye the Lord. The issue at hand today that I want to bring to you and the one point that I really want to drive home for the next couple of minutes is that God is more mindful than we are forgettable. God is always thinking about us. God is always thinking about you. I want you to turn to your neighbor right now, look them right in the eye, and I want you to tell them God has you on his mind. Go ahead. Why don't you turn to somebody else next to you and just tell them God has you on his mind. God has you on his mind. God has you on his mind. Jeremiah 29, verse 11 says, I know the thoughts I think toward you, saith the Lord. God has not only you on his mind, but God is thinking about your future. That's why a few weeks ago I I, I just told you to turn to somebody next to you and tell them, God, I'm excited about your future. Somebody kind of looked around. I heard some people say, well, what does he know about my future? I know that God has your future in mind. God has a plan for your future. Now, Now, I can be very forgettable. I have to tell you, I may be among the most forgettable among us today. I'm forgettable. I'm forgetful. I forget things. I have to write everything down. Brother Cubstead was preaching a couple of, uh, was it last week? Brother Cubstead was preaching on Sunday morning. And he talked about these people with calendars that are packed full. I'm like, he got his sermon for me. I have to make notes. Whatever I need to do, I have to write it down. I can't sleep at night if I don't write it down. Because I know if I go into a deep sleep by tomorrow morning, I will forget. 
And so I have to write it down and I make notes and I write them all down. And sometimes I write them down on, you know, I don't have my computer with me, which is rare, but occasionally. And I'll take a notepad and I'll write something down and then I forget where I put the notepad. I can be so forgetful. And so the issue is, is, is we, am I up here by myself this morning? Are there any forgetful people in the room? If I didn't write it down, I may forget my wife's birthday. That would be a bad thing. Forgetting kids' birthdays. Oh, my Lord. I write it all down. Of course, I have plenty of people around me to remind me. But I can be so forgetful. And because I'm so forgetful, I think that God may be like me. And so God is forgetful. If I'm forgetful, perhaps God is forgetful. But the, the issue at hand is, is that as forgetful as I am, God is just that mindful. Because every time I am guilty of forgetting, God is guilty of thinking about me. Because every time I have an issue, God has me on his mind. Every time I deal with a problem, God is thinking about me. Every time I have failure in my life, God does not forget me over my failure. As a matter of fact, my failure causes God to think about me. When I mess up, when I fail God, when I do wrong, God is thinking about me during that time. Your failure doesn't cause God to walk away from you. It may cause your friends to walk away from you. It may cause people to act ways toward you. Your weaknesses may cause people to look at you funny, but it doesn't cause God to look at you funny. The infirmity in your body may cause people to not want to be around you. But can I tell you that we have a God that is touched by the feelings of our infirmities. Not just the thought of it, but every time you feel something. Oh, I feel a pain in my body. He's touched by it. I don't know if you're hearing me this morning. But as as forgetful as I am, God is that much more remembering you and me. He is mindful of us. What is man that thou art mindful of him? I think in terms of human understanding. I'm forgetful, but can I actually really comprehend the fact that God doesn't have the ability To forget anything except what's been put under the blood. The only thing that God can forget is something that's been washed by the blood. 
He remembers everything about you. He knows where you are, what you face, what you deal with. He even knows your faults, your failures, your shortcomings, and your sin. But every time you sin, he's got the blood ready, and he's ready to cleanse you of all your sins. Somebody else remembers your mistake, but he washes you in the blood and forgets about what he cleansed you. He doesn't remember it anymore. He doesn't hold it against you anymore. As as mindful as he is, he forgets everything that is put under the blood. As forgetful as I am, he's so mindful of me. When I forget to pray, he's still mindful of me. When I forget to fast, he's mindful of me. Forget to fast. Oh, absolutely, I do. Anybody else with me? It's the day you wake up. It's your fast day. You're going to fast today. Boy, I'm going to fast today. You get up. I'm going to fast. I go right straight through McDonald's, get my large Coke, $1.07. Drinking half of it. What you got on the agenda today? I call my wife. Hey, what we doing for lunch? She says, lunch? Aren't we? Fasting today? Oh, yeah. See, we think in terms of human understanding. When we, when we tell somebody, look, man, I'm, I'm with you. I'm for you. I, I guarantee you I'm with you. I'm in this thing. I'm with you, whatever. I'll always have your back. I'll always be with you. Mm-hmm. To the best of your ability or until something better comes along or until you don't like something. And then you disconnect from the torque train and go find somebody else to connect to. You see, we, we, oh man, you're a brother to me, you're a sister to me, we're connected together, oh boy, we're going to always, yeah, until something happens. Do they do something you don't like, say something you don't like, act some way you don't like, and all of a sudden there is, we, we can easily forget. We can easily forget. But with God, it's completely different. With God, when he says, I will never leave you nor forsake you, we're thinking in terms of human reason. That means pretty much all the time God will be there, except maybe when we go through certain things, God may not be there. No, that's human reasoning. God cannot forget you in your situation. Every time infirmity hits your body, he's reminded. Every time weakness comes over you, he's reminded. Every time failure comes he's reminded because he sent his his blood to wash and cleanse he's reminded God hasn't forgotten you Isaiah 49 I love this chapter as it talks about Zion hath said the Lord hath forsaken me and my Lord hath forgotten me can a woman forget her sucking child oh barely she can Uh, but behold he said I have not forgotten you because I have graven thee in the palms of my hand In other words, those nail prints in his hand, when it was customary for a man to be tied to a cross, he took nails through his hands so that it would scar his hands. Not because he needs reminded of you and me, but because we need reminded that he can't forget. 
Zion is a type of the church. Every time Zion says the Lord hath forsaken thee, the, the, the proclamation of Zion, God's forgotten us. God doesn't know where we are. Here we are in the middle of our mess. God's forgotten us. He says, Zion, I want you to know something. I don't have the ability to forget you. I graved you into my hand and I see you everywhere I go every day. I don't have the ability to forget. Why does God need record books if he can't forget? If God's not forgetful, why does he need a record book? What does he, why does God need to write things down so that you and I know that he hasn't forgotten? Because what God is doing, he's doing for our benefit. Not because he's forgetful and needs to write it down, but he's got a record book so we can be reminded. Oh, if it was us, we would need a record book to be reminded. So God says, go ahead, let's create a record book. Not because I'm going to forget them, but because they're going to make an acclamation that I've forgotten them. Write it down, keep it there, so that they will be reminded everywhere they go. God knows what I'm going through. God knows what I'm doing. God knows about my sacrifices. God remembers when I gave and didn't have. God remembers when I showed up to work day but didn't have the time. God remembers. God knows. Because he's writing it down. He mentions that he has record books so that we would remember God has not forgotten. God is mindful of us. He's reminding us, I am the creator and you are my creation. I breathed into your nostrils the breath of life over and over and over and over and over again. God begins to remind the church how that he hasn't forgotten us and how he can't forget us. And what he does, he does so that we are reminded that he can't forget us. He said, I'm your creator. You're the creation. I breathed into your nostrils the breath of life. Genesis chapter 1 verse 27. He said, I created you in my own image. Psalm 139 said, my eyes saw you in your un, on your unformed substance and I put you together. My eyes saw you. He said, Psalm 139 verse 13 said, I knit you together in your mother's womb. I know the number of the hairs in your head and before a word ever comes forth from your tongue, I already know what what it is you are about to say because I'm paying attention to you. Psalm 139 said, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are valuable, more valuable than the sparrows. Matthew chapter 10 says, I have given you dominion. Psalm 8 and Genesis 1, I've given you dominion over the sheep and the oxen and the beasts of the fields and the birds of the airs of heaven and the fish of the sea. I have given you dominion. I have, saith the Lord. I have crowned you with glory and honor. 
You are the pinnacle of my creation because I made you as you are. However, from the very beginning, you exchanged the truth for me for a lie. You worshiped and served created things rather than the creator. The sin has entered and you have sinned and fallen and come short of the glory of God. But you're not the only one. Everybody has. Just as I said to Adam and Eve, the penalty for your sin is death. And the Apostle Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 2. And in your sin, you became spiritually dead. You were children of wrath, living as enemies to me. You turned aside from me. You became corrupt in your thinking. There is none that really does good, not outside of me. No, not even one. What you deserve, Psalm 7 says, is you deserve the judgment of God. But God said, I choose redemption. And yet, in my great love, while you were yet sinners, I had you on my mind. I was thinking about you while you were still sinners. And I took a cross on my shoulders. And I went to Calvary. And I bled and I died while you weren't even serving me. Not even one. But because of this, Sin doesn't have the last word in your life. Romans 5 said, where sin abounds, grace (laughs) much more abounds. Romans 10 says, now everybody that calls on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ shall be saved. Ephesians chapter 1, the Lord said, I, I have adopted you. Oh, I'm alone. Nobody knows. I don't have a mama that knows. Don't have a daddy that knows. Don't have anything. Anybody, nobody knows where I am. The Lord said, I adopted you. You are children of God, heirs and joint heirs with God. I am your father and you belong to me. I love you as a father. And he makes everything new. If you don't think God is always thinking about you, always working it out for you, everything in your life, He's always figuring out how to make your life better. He's working through your flaws, your failures, your mistakes, and He's always turning it to better. That's why He says, now you are a new creature. Old things have passed away, and everything has become new. Sin, Romans chapter 6 says, sin is no longer your master for when you died to sin you now are alive unto me. That's why Romans 8 says, there is therefore now no condemnation to him which is in Christ Jesus that walk not after the flesh but after the, but after the spirit. 
First John chapter 1 says, all of your sins have been forgiven when they're put under the blood. All your unrighteousness has been cleansed by the blood of Jesus. Paul says in Ephesians 2, you have been saved by grace. Grace can't happen without God thinking about you where you are. You have been justified by faith according to Romans chapter 5. No one is able to snatch you out of my hands according to John chapter 10 and Hebrews chapter 13. He said, I will never leave you nor forsake you, but I'll be with you through everything that you go through. I am a God that will hold Always be there. And then he goes on. He goes on to say, You will be transformed as you seek me and see more of my glory. I will transform you into the image of the only begotten Son. And one of these days when I get you perfected as my bride. You will be changed in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye. At the last trump, when the trumpet shall sound, the dead shall be raised incorruptible. And then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them to be with the Lord in the air. First John chapter 3 says, when he appears, we shall see him as he is. Revelation chapter 21 said, and God shall wipe every tear from your eye. He cares. And death shall be no more, neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. Matthew chapter 25 said, you and I will replace, will inherit a place that he has prepared for us. Revelation 22 and 4, most of all, he says, and when you get there, you will see me face to face. For the very first time, the one that has been looking at his bride, waiting for his bride, focusing on his bride, thinking, I wish my bride would get ready. I wish my bride would quit failing me. I wish my bride would quit going their own direction. I wish they would, but he's got you in his heart. He's got you in his mind. He's got you in his eye. He's got you in the palm of his hand, and he's not going to let you go. All he's going to do is keep loving you and keep waiting for the moment that he's going to take tell Gabriel to sound the trumpet and when it happens ladies and gentlemen his mind is still going to be on you because he is engaged to you he hasn't forgotten you he's thinking about you at this very moment second Peter he says now I have called you Revelation 17 he said I have chosen you that's right this is God speaking to you He said, I, God, have called you. Go ahead, look at your neighbor and tell him he's talking about you. I don't know if God even knows where I am. Revelation 17, I have chosen you. Go ahead, look at your neighbor and tell him he's talking about you. 
you are now a saint. Romans chapter 1, Acts 26 says you're a servant. 1 Peter chapter 4 says you're a, a, a steward. 2 Timothy chapter 2 says you are now a soldier. Acts 1 and Ephesians 2 said you are a witness and a worker. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, the apostle Paul said you are victorious. And the devil doesn't want you to be. Romans chapter 8 says you have a glorious future. Mm. Philippians chapter 3 said you're actually not a citizen of this world. Part of the reason you're having so much struggle and so much hardship here is because this world is really not your home. You're really a citizen of another country. And that country we will inherit one of these days when the trumpet sounds. So just struggle on through here because this is just temporary. God hasn't forgotten you. He said, if I go to prepare a place for you, then you're going to come again. And I will receive you unto myself. He's gone to prepare that place. We're not a citizen here. We're just sojourning here. We're here for a little while. But we are a citizen of a place that hath no need of the sun because Jesus Christ himself will be the light. We're a citizen of heaven. Meaning, as a citizen, all of your information your address, your phone number, your email, your social security number, your insurance papers, all of your information, all of your private information that you're trying to hide and keep somebody from Nicaragua somewhere stealing it. All of that heaven has access to. Because I'm not a citizen here. The reason I can't give out my information here is because you won't understand. I'm not a citizen here. You'll be trying to kick me out of your country. Because I'm a citizen of heaven. I'm just living in this land for just a little while. And while I'm here, 2 Corinthians says I am to be an ambassador of Christ. Meaning I've got something to do while I'm here as an ambassador of Christ. I'm here to speak to somebody. I'm here to help somebody. I'm here to try to get somebody to become a citizen of my country. I'm just a spy down here. I'm on a mission. I'm on a mission to try to get as many people as possible to change citizenship. Because if this world is your home... If your hope is only in this world, you're going to be lonely. You're going to be afraid. You're going to be miserable. You're going to be disappointed because people are going to let you down. Things are going to not always go right. This world is not our home. This, if you get too much, too much stock in this world, you're going to live depressed. You're going to feel persecuted. You're going to be going through it. Hey, why don't somebody change citizenship this morning? 
Why don't you go ahead and change citizenship this morning? Let this old world go. Take this old world, but give me Jesus. Change my address. I need to go over there. I'm 48 years old. I'm well over half of the, of the promised life that I've been given here. That means I've lived the majority of the life here, here. But there is going to be for eternity. So if I live to 96, drive my wife crazy for that many more years, 48 more years, I'm going to struggle with everything around here because I really don't identify with the culture. I really don't identify with everything that's going on around here because my home, I mean, I stay over on Armstrong Street, but my home is being built over there. My temporary address says Frankfurt, Indiana. But my residence is on the other side. When I get discouraged down here, it's because of things that are going on around here. But when I start realizing that God has me on his mind, what is man when I consider the moon and the stars, the heavens, the work of his fingers? What am I that God is mindful of me? That God's thinking about me all the time. i tell you why. Because I'm part of the bride of Christ. I'm part that is getting ready down here for the marriage supper of the Lamb that's going to happen over there. Because when I think about Him, when I'm not busy with something else, He's thinking about me all the time. I'm on His mind all the time. He's got me in view. He's thinking, I can't wait until I get them over here. Come on, somebody. This world's not your home. You're taking too much stock in what's going on around you down here. Look at your neighbor and tell him, let it go. Let it go. Let it go. Because this world doesn't have anything permanent to offer. This world is temporary. But the one who cares enough for me to make me a permanent fixture in his life. He says, so much so that no matter how much somebody tries, they can kick me out of the organization. You can kick me out of this church. My wife can divorce me. I think my kids can even divorce me. My friends can forsake me. They can turn their back on me. The bank can freeze my assets. My health can fail me. But nobody can take me 
out of his hand. Nobody. Nobody. For I am persuaded that neither life nor death nor powers, nor principalities, nor things present, nor anything in my future is going to be able to separate me from the love of God. I am persuaded this morning that he has me on his mind. He is thinking about me. He's got you right where he wants you. He is preparing a place for you. Stand with me this morning. Maybe you forget him once in a while, but he hasn't forgotten you. Because he will never forget you. Here's the thing. You're accepted. You're loved. You're forgiven. You're valuable. The Apostle Paul said it like this. For you have been, we're not our own. But we have been bought with a price. Not with corruptible things such as silver and gold that can perish. But we've been purchased by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Mm. When I consider the vastness of this universe... When I consider the heavens, the moon, and the stars, who am I that God would even consider me? But the fact that He does makes me know that no matter what happens in this world, a God that is bigger than you bigger than anything that could happen, has me on his mind this morning. He's thinking about you right where you are today. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed, where, where you are. How far is God from you? He's not far at all. As a matter of fact, he is as close as the mention of his name. Do this for me. Just lift up your hands right where you are, both hands. Nobody's looking around. Just lift up both hands right now. And I want you to do this with me tonight, today. I just want you to speak his name. Would you do that with me? Would you just out loud, don't worry about somebody hearing you. Just speak his name. Just say, Jesus, because he's as close as the mention of his name. Go ahead, say it. Don't ask him for anything. Just, just know that he's near to you. He's close to you. He's near to you today. Your pain, your anguish. He's close to you today. He's close to you today. He's close to you today. Go ahead and talk to him this morning. He's there with you. Right where you are. Right in the middle of your situation. He's, 
He's close to you today. Would you just talk to him right there with those hands lifted high toward heaven? Would you just talk to him for a moment today? Lord, remind me. He's close to you this morning. Go ahead and talk to him today. Go ahead and talk to him this morning. Go ahead and talk to him today. Hallelujah. Just call on him. Call on him. Jesus. 